Hey, it's the Baldy Bishops. Hey, Opelon. Hey, man, you're right. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Having a decent day. Good, man. Uh, was it Martin your socks there? I thought Spurgeon was on your socks. <laughs> May as well be. Uh, somewhere on here it says, get a load of th- these whiskers. Lovely, man. It's you one of those Father's Day beard socks, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably the best so socks sh- ever should I, should I make the announcement, or should you? What's that? Uh, that we're, we're changing the name of the podcast? To the Bearded Bishops or something? To, to the, no, B5. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah. The, the, the body... The Bearded Body Bishops of Blurton Baptist. <laughs> is, is that what we're going with? Something like that. <laughs> near Birmingham. Near, yeah. near Birmingham. <laughs> By Birmingham. <laughs> By Birmingham. B7! <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and you just, uh, we're just chatting there, and I ended up getting a bit teary hearing about, or just sharing about how God's <clears throat> working in the church and mm-hmm. working in people's lives and grown people. Oh, man. Just so good to know that God's using His Word and the Gospel to, and the Spirit mm. is all powerfully working to bring bring about yeah growth in people it's beautiful man it's crazy how the scripture actually does what god says it would do yeah 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 man and <laughs> I, was, I was talking to the to the in our welcome to christianity stuff i was talking to them about how all we do really is we just try to see this is what the bible says and we do it mm-hmm. and then it works but it works because it's what the bible says to do yeah and it's like building ikea furniture you, you don't really glorify <laughs> you don't really boast like I built a bookshelf. Well, you, you, you just put it together, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like a right, jigsaw yeah. piece. It's Ikea. Like if you went and built one yourself, mm, fair enough, but mm. you put it, you put together some Ikea furniture and it's, that's all we're trying to do. It's just, what does the Bible say about how to do this? Try Try to do that. Keep praying. Just be faithful to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And God does his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for the past several months, actually, we've been looking at um, the one and others in scripture mm-hmm. and um, we've, we've worked our way uh, all the way to Ephesians, which we started in last week, and we're still going. But um, I find it reassuring, and we said this last week. This ongoing theme in every single epistle shows me that this is this is actually a major theme in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is part of God's emphasis for the church, for the New Testament church. Yeah. So the fact that we're making a big deal out of it. Is because the scriptures make a big deal out of That's it. it. So yeah. it's not like, all right, we just go over that now and do something else. Like, well, Paul didn't. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit didn't. So yeah, yeah. So, so this isn't just a hobby horse. No, this isn't just something where we're like drawing verses out of here and drawing verses out of there. Just, we're going to every epistle and yeah. finding that these verses dominate every single epistle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's reassuring uh, to me because, like you said, that's what that's what we we're trying to do. We feel like God's led us to do, and we're seeing some of those fruits in the church yeah, now, which is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, we, we saw last time out that um, in verses one to seven, how how Christ um, informs and fuels our one anothering mm. um, of one another. <laughs> That's a tongue twister, but um, hence the term gospel community, right? Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about gospel community a lot, and it's not just um, how I'm meant to live in Christ; it's simultaneously about how we are meant to live in Christ. Yeah. Um, and from that context, we come really to verse 11 to the end of the chapter. We'll probably not read quite as many verses as we did uh, last night. 
But um, I think just for the time being, maybe 11 to 13. Could you grab that for us? He gave, or Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mm. So this whole time in the Gospel Community series, we've been talking about something that we've not named We've not given a name to it, really. We, we talk about it, you and me. Mm. Uh, we've read about it in books and things like that as well. But we've never, I don't think we've actually ever put this title on it. It's, it's the term gospel culture. Mm-hmm. So there's gospel community. We, we've talked about um, that, that gospel identity produces, leads to gospel uh, practice, mm. leads to... Off the top of my head, what is it? Gospel truth leads to gospel Gospel identity, identity leads leads to gospel gospel practice, gospel community, which is an all-pervasive gospel culture. That's what we're saying. So we've we've been dancing around this the whole time. Not just dancing around it, talking about this the whole time, but not giving a title for it. But uh, verses 12 and 13 are really gospel community defined, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, what is gospel community? Well, here it is. And it says that the reason that God uh, gives vocational pastors to the church is so that they will equip the saints, and edify the body of Christ. So equipping, uh, we don't have to really expound on that. It means what it sounds like. Um, edify, um, it's, it's a word that means can mean two things. Uh, to, to mend something that's broken, like a fisherman's net, or building the building up of something that's uh, unfinished or lacking. Hmm. So it's our job as pastors to be doing this. Um, but, but, it's, but it's important that this call is... Um, it's not just a call, a one-on-one kind of call, pastor to church member. Um, yes, God's called us to that, but that's not strictly all it is. Um, not just individual member stuff. It says the edifying of the body of Christ as a whole. And and that's that's different because when we talk about one another, it's very, very interpersonal, one-on-one, individual but in order to get a grasp of this gospel culture thing, we're looking at a bigger picture kind of thing. We're looking at um, something collective and corporate that is still individual, which is uh, very unique. But what is the congregation being called uh, to, according to verse number uh, 13? So, I mean, the, the whole congregation, the whole body is being called to do ministry, not not, you know, people like, oh, are you in ministry? They ask you that as a pastor. Are you in the ministry? So actually, the moment you're born again, you're meant to be in the ministry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we're all in the ministry. We're in vocational ministry. Yeah. But, so verse yeah. 12 is like, we we equip the people to do the work of the ministry, which leads to the building up of the body. So there, there's this there's this corporate call to, to mm. ministry, to edification, and to unity. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think that word unity is, is very key, isn't it? Till we all come to the unity um, of the faith. And of course, that, that's talking about um, our Christian faith. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about what we believe. Of course, it's talking about that. But it's also talking about a work, the faith work of of the church. So when you talk about we're all in ministry, we're all meant to be involved in the faith work of the church. Mm. Um, so we're, we're to all come into the unity of this faith work, edifying one another. Mm-hmm. Um equipping one another mm-hmm. right so so it starts with us as pastors and we're we're called to do this as vocational pastors whatever you want to call it um we're, we're called to to do this and to equip and to edify but then the church is meant to come together yeah. in unity in that as well 
Um, and not just do we all come to the faith, unity of the faith, the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Yeah. And that's so key, isn't it? Mm. Um, it, it is the knowledge of Jesus, of course, his teachings, but also his person and work. Yeah experiential knowledge of him yeah knowing mm. him yeah yeah so it's not just information about him mm. i'm not going to throw anyone under the bus but i was just i was talking to someone uh not long ago i was telling you about this a minute ago who said that they'd sat under um theological teaching for years and years and years and thought they were a mature christian mm. but all they'd done was collect knowledge about the bible yeah and they said only recently <clears throat> past few years like They've realized what real maturity is when we've started looking at the gospel mm. and what we're meant to do in light of the gospel mm-hmm. as a community. Mm-hmm. And they feel like, okay, well, I feel like I've really grown in this whole, in, in my Christian faith now. Yeah. It wasn't about the collection of information. It wasn't just about knowing theology. It's about knowing Jesus personally, yeah. experiencing Jesus personally, um, individually, and as we communicate with, with one another. Um, and so who he is, what he's done. And we would say, that's the gospel, isn't it? Yep. That's the gospel. So uh, we should be united in the faith work of the church, which is rooted in the truth and reality of the person and work of Christ. Yeah. So the knowledge of the Son of God, and we're going to use this word over and over again, but it informs the united work of the church. So the knowledge of the Son of God informs the united work of the church and even fuels it. Um, but I think it's important. Um, there's, there's a question, and I... This is the way I view scripture whenever I study it, is I always look at something and I say, to what end? Right? So there's this command that God gives, and he says this and that, but like, to what end? Mm. What's what's God seeking to accomplish through this command? And sometimes he doesn't give the answer. We, don't, we won't know until we get to eternity. But I love it in passages like this when he actually does answer it. Why be united in the faith work of edifying one another with the knowledge of who Jesus is? Yeah. It leads, it leads to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It, that's, see, that's different. Mm. Because what, what do you think that, that phrase, mature manhood, what do you think that's talking about? Uh, so, uh, it was a really good discussion last night about this. This is the whole body being as if it's one man, because it's the whole mm. church is functioning as one body mm-hmm. um, with Christ at the head. So it's like the whole the whole body, every part of the body is maturing together. Mm. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that was just so profound. This is an individual maturity. This is mm. communal maturity and collective. Mm. I wrote down uh, after your, after your preaching, uh, this leads to communal maturity and collective Christ-likeness. Mm. Just like, wow. That's is, beautiful, yeah. That's what God wants to do in the church. Yeah. Well, that, that word, um, mature manhood, as it's translated there, uh, it says, um, the perfect man in the KJV and New King James. Um, it's 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 referring to mentally, morally, fully mature. Mm-hmm. So, but it doesn't. It's not just talking about me as an individual. I'm meant to be that. It's saying that the body of Christ, the church, is supposed to be that collectively, mm-hmm. right? And it goes on and it says um, what it's insinuating here: to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yeah. Um, True maturity. In the Christian sense, is to be like Jesus. Mm, that's really good. Yeah, that and that's it. Yeah. That's how we measure it. Not doctrinal crudity. Yeah, not being a prolific mm. evangelist. Oh, these are things mm. are great, but it's it's Christ likeness is the is true maturity, right? I heard a quote a long time ago. Whenever I was involved in uh, more of a legalistic kind mm. of approach, and I thought recently, I thought, 
I heard that, but I've, I've until recently I've never really seen it lived out, mm-hmm. or people trying to live it out. Um, the measure of a church is not in its size, but in its likeness to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And and yeah. that's 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 it. Yeah. That's the measure. And and so verse thirteen is the whole body. As one being Christ-like, that's mm. the goal. Mm. The whole body being a Christ-like body. Mm. Uh, oh, well, yeah, it's good. It's different because it's it's not referring to individual Christ-likeness that's lived in isolation from brothers and sisters that you only see on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can't be. Yeah, because yeah, so because it's so that just very quickly summarizing, God's given us pastors to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. Which leads to this unity and and mm. coming together in the knowledge of the Son of God, which <clears throat> leads to this maturity in Christ likeness. That's this collective you oneness. That. Yeah, you can't do that on a Sunday for mm. an hour. That's know? right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a Christ likeness that is is realized as a group of um, brothers and sisters, a group of people experience the healing and strength um, alluded to in the equipping and building up. Man, it's like it's like. We're only mature. We're only as mature as our most immature believer, right? That's exactly That's, right. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the weakest believer in there. Mm. We need to love them and nurture them and build them up because mm. we're, you know, you can sit here and boast how mature you are, but if there's people in our church family for who've been there for a year or two years and they're deeply immature, we're only as mature mm. as them because they're not. Something's in the way of of them growing. You Absolutely, know? yeah. It's it's almost akin to um, but 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 deeper. But it's a nice little parallel, I think, with the brotherhood of people who've served in military together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's this thing when they're in combat. You know, no man left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is, so even if that person's wounded, they're going to drag that person to safety. Yeah. You know, um, and that's kind of what I think that's the image we're getting here. Yeah. We're only as we're only as strong as our weakest link. Yeah. So so if there's someone, just like like you said, two Corinthians says, if there's a, a weaker brother, um, give them more honor. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. more care. Yeah. More love, more time, more effort, whatever. Hmm. Because we're only as strong as our as our weakest link. And that's that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel is helping those who are in need. Yeah. That's what Christ did. <laughs> Absolutely. Um so so it's a culture, isn't it? I think is what we're trying to say. It's it's not just a gospel community. Um, it is, but it's a gospel culture. And that culture shapes the community. Um, it, it takes place corporately as each person is aiding each person in their pursuit of Christ-likeness. Say that again. Um, how to say it? <laughs> <laughs> it takes place corporately. As, as each person is aiding each person in their pursuit of personal Christ-likeness. Wow, man. So corporate but personal at the wow. same time. Wow. Yeah. But aiding each other in that. Now that's that's presumably good preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that's takes that's a challenge. Takes commitment and sacrifice. Absolutely. To live that life. Yeah. So it's not just gospel community, gospel culture. Um, gospel culture will both inform and shape our community. Mm-hmm. So um, Paul, of course, he goes on to to elaborate on it in verses four to sixteen, and we could. I'll just summarize. He's just again, he's still talking about unity, keeping us from being carried off into false doctrines. Yeah. Unity, helping us to speak and love and grow into Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, us being knitted and joined together, just like a body. Yeah. Um, like I was, I was talking about when I when I hurt, injured my wrist one time, I couldn't grip with my fingers. Yeah, yeah. So all of it being connected in that type yeah. of way. But a Christian life that is both informed and fueled by the gospel is not mere moralism. Mm. 
That's really important because we're going to get into a lot of the ins and the outs of what Paul is saying. Do this, don't do this. But it's not mere moralism. All of the commands and exhortations of the coming verses flow out of the truth and experiential reality of everything that we've just read and talked about. Yeah. Before we get there, can I just speak into verse 16 for a yeah, second? Yeah, go on, mate, yeah. Um, held together by every joint and in each part working properly. Mm-hmm. And it's just to say, like, however weak you think you are or unable you think you are, God has placed you in whatever church you're in because you're a necessary component of that church. Mm-hmm. Um, that church needs you, you mm-hmm. know, and you need your brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And the weakest person in the church, you actually need them. Uh, mm-hmm. Every joint is doing its part. Each part is working properly, and that's how the body grows in love. Is mm-hmm. So there's no unnecessary parts here. Uh, or as, as Francis Shiver says, there's no little people. Everyone's yeah. significant. That's brilliant, mate, yeah. I was actually saying last night a little bit about how um, when God brought you to Blurton, uh, there were things that I'd already identified as weaknesses of mm-hmm. mine, um, in term, whether it's my organization, whether it's this or that. Um, but they're actually strengths to you. Mm-hmm. And there are certain weaknesses that you have that, that are presumably strengths of mine. Yeah, man. And that's the way that things work, not just in leadership, but in the context the of the church. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. I, I make up for some of your deficiencies. You mm-hmm. make up for some of my deficiencies. And we grow and we strengthen one another. And we wrap our arms around one another and say, let's go to Christ together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's the concept of, of, of gospel culture. And, and again, that informs all of our gospel community. It, forms and, it, it informs and shapes our gospel community. Mm-hmm. Um, but that leads to this whole gospel living. Um, and the following verses are what the previous verses are going to look like when they're lived out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And, and just to put, put a pin in it for a minute, if, if what we know and believe and profess about Christ is truth and, and is able to be experienced, then our lives should be powerfully affected by it. Mm-hmm. So changed, not like they once were. Yeah, our lives and then subsequently our relationships are Absolutely. going to be radically transformed. And that's what he that's what he expounds on in verses verses eighteen onward. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually. Can, do you mind reading eighteen to twenty four? Yeah, they are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learn Christ. Mm-hmm. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm. And, and, sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Get, yeah. like, Get excited, come on. I am. And so verse 24, <laughs> the new self created after the likeness of God true righteousness and true holiness right? mm-hmm. those are those are four things right new self mm-hmm. created after the likeness of god true righteousness true holiness what does that look like mm-hmm. well we're about to see what that looks like mm-hmm. right so yeah. whatever that looks like in your mind let paul tell you what this looks like as mm-hmm. we get to verse 25 downwards man that's good what yeah. it looks like to be a new person what it looks like to be like god what it looks like to be have true righteousness true holiness is what we're about to see next sorry mm-hmm. go ahead no that's great man yeah yeah but so, so he's he this He's saying, you have no business being like this. Um, you're not called to this. You're not called to these previous things. 
Um, your life is supposed to be different. Your relationships are supposed to be different. Your attitudes are supposed to be different. Um, and, and whilst a personal relationship with Christ is 100% necessary, you know, I must personally trust Christ as my Savior. My Christian life was never meant to be private. Right. And this is, this is what he's talking about, a new community, because he's talking about the Gentile communities like this. Mm-hmm. This is the culture of the Gentile community. Uh, we carry the context of the previous verses into this passage. You know, sh- should should I strive to put off the old man and put on the new man on my own and my own strength? No, man. I shouldn't and I can't. Impossible. Yeah. Um, I need to yield to the Spirit's work of producing Christ-likeness in me. Mm-hmm. I need to seek um, the help and support of my brothers and sisters. And I need to be assisting my brothers and sisters in their pursuit of the same. Yeah, which is why this little section comes after Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse, well, like 16. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. 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 So again, again, like Alan said, the following verses is where we start to see the one and others begin to emerge. So we're yeah. looking at that contrast. And this is where we start to see the, the concept of gospel-rooted forgiveness. Now, we're, we're inching our way toward that. Mm. But verses 25 to 27 says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Mm-hmm. We, we said last night that this is this is basically relationship 101. Mm-hmm. So if there was like a, a, an elementary fundamental course in healthy relationships, there are some some pristine principles in this, these verses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speak truth to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, do not say things or spread rumors that aren't true. Do not assume something about someone that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, be angry and do not sin. Um, and this is very difficult, isn't it? To be upset and, and even angry and not mistreat the individual, even who may have made us angry. Yeah, I think everyone... Looked down on the floor at this verse <laughs> last night, like <laughs> yeah. blow that, blew that one recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's, and I think what Paul is doing is he's doubling down on this concept of the Sermon on the Mount, the upside down kingdom. Mm. So, in in the Gentile unbelieving Gentile context that was mentioned previously, you'd have every right mm. to um, blow your lid at someone who's wronged you. Yeah, even the, even in the Jewish context mm-hmm. of yeah, yeah. And um, so he's saying you've been called to something different. Yeah. Um, and and if so, so you know, it's if they've made you angry, even even if they've done something wrong, and if you do slip up and you react uh, to conflict in a way that's sinful, um, he says, don't even think about going to sleep while you're angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's some really solid advice. Yeah. And I know some people who listen to our our podcast are preparing for marriage and things like that. Mm. Man, take that with you. Mm-hmm. Don't go to bed angry because usually when you go to bed angry, you wake up angrier. Yeah, man. Because it stews, doesn't it? It does somehow over, overnight in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, but like you're given. It says in verse twenty-seven. You yes, like we're given place to the devil when we yeah. do this life of like when we lie to one another, when we're angry and sinful towards one another. We're actually giving the devil opportunity to. And what does the devil do? He always works against what God's mm-hmm. doing. What's God doing? Uniting us. What's the devil want to do? Destroy and divide. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, don't let the devil get in. On one hand, I think we give the devil too much credit. Mm. Uh, Sometimes I think we blame the devil on our own fleshly desires. Mm. Sometimes we blame the devil for some type of um, 
suffering that God's allowed into our life or yeah, this yeah. or that. Yeah. And a lot of times we say, oh, the devil's at work. Um, and, and that may be true or may not be true. Um, so some people overestimate the devil in, in that mm. sense, give him more credit. Mm. Um, but then a lot of us really underestimate uh, satanic forces. We really underestimate the fact. I heard someone say one time that the devil will walk by your door a thousand times to find it open once. <laughs> and in the context of relationships, apparently that's kind of true. It's a big. It's a big aspect. I mean, what that's the first. Like, look at the fall. The first thing that happens is man's divided from God and divided from one another. Mm-hmm. The very next chapter, Cain's killing Abel. Uh, and you just see huge division from then on out, and that's the devil's work. Mm. Um, mm. And so, yeah, if, if there's huge angry bitterness division in the church, it's Satan is having a field day. It's like reading Lord of the Rings, and it's constantly going on with it. Whenever the peoples are meant to be working together are divided, Gandalf says things like, oh, Sauron's loving this, Sauron mm. is laughing at this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's good, yeah. Conquer and divide, or divide mm. and conquer, yeah. Mm. So, so, yeah. So, so unresolved conflict, anger that festers and stews, mm-hmm. um, can have satanic results in our lives, mm. which is sobering. Um, so, so living in a state of unresolved conflict with my brother or sister, I think the principle is, is opposite of gospel living. Yeah, it's the opposite of gospel living. Yeah. So it's not the work of the Spirit that He's trying to produce yeah, in me to allow it to stew and fester. Yeah, um, produces satanic results, wow. not Holy Spirit fueled mm-hmm. results um so we're, we're we're not being controlled by the holy spirit who's seeking to produce a tender humble christ likeness in us um actually we we we, we give it to something anti-gospel to mm-hmm. anti-christ mm-hmm. whenever we um allow the sun to go down on our wrath and mm-hmm. we hold on to bitterness yeah that's good so christ cares an enormous amount about conflict resolution mm-hmm. and we know that most yeah. clearly from the cross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. We're in the Sermon on the Mount right now, and that's mm. a reverse we're looking at at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Dealing with conflict, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So we should be striving for this. Mm-hmm. You know, that this it's, it's not our natural disposition. It's not like some people were just... Born to be yeah, like this. Really good at that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> as as we yield to the Spirit, however, this will become default. Mm. But only as we yield to the Spirit. Um, so to to build up with our words. Yeah. That's that's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Never seek to tear down with our words. To let our words be agents of grace. That is what what it says to, to impart grace, grace yeah. to the hearers. Every word, not just what you say on a Sunday, but every word that oh. comes out of your mouth can be something that's an agent of grace. Mm. Can I read a, I was reading today um, uh, from David Pallas and he says, wise love learns when to speak and when to be silent, what to ask and what not to ask, what to say and what not to say, how to say it and how not to say it, what is helpful and what is not helpful, Mm. what is your responsibility and what is the other person's responsibility. Wisdom, wise love, sweetens and brightens the lives of other people. Man. Good sweetens and brightens wise love is what we're being called to here you know mm. like my my words have the power to to build up or tear down to you know to harm mm. or to heal and yeah. god's calling me to use my words yeah to, to for grace yeah and, and again this is what the holy spirit's trying to do in our lives mm-hmm. desires to do in our lives mm-hmm. um and that leads us to verse verse 30 and 31 which is a, a powerful couple of verses here um do you want do you want to take that real quick 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is, this is really important as we're going through this and we're looking at all these things that we're being called to. The common denominator is what these things are. They're all connected in some way. Verse 29, um, only words that edify, only words that impart grace. Verse 31, no bitterness, no wrath, no anger, no clamor, no evil speaking, no malice. This is Christ-likeness. Yeah. This is verse 24, the likeness of God. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And, and we should certainly strive to be Christ-like in all of our interactions with one another. Mm. Um, but what happens when we aren't? And that's when we get to verse 32. Mm. So what happens when, as people still possessing human fleshly desires, what happens when we slip up? Yeah. Uh, verse 32, be kind to one another. Uh, again, another Christ-like mm-hmm. uh, characteristic. Tender-hearted, Christ-like. But notice this, forgiving one another. But what's the correlation of our forgiveness? Um, what's what's the, 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 the measure of forgiveness that we should offer to other people that we extend to them? Um, even as Christ, God in Christ forgave you. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven, which was the common Jewish kind of response. Mm-hmm. He said, no, yeah. 70 times seven. Josh Moore shared with that. John Bunyan quote with this the other day, and it was like, you know, Peter preaching in Acts, and it was just imagining like people like, but I, I cried out, crucify him. Is there mercy for me? Yes, mm. repent. You know, but I, I spat in his face. Is there mercy for me? Yes, mm. repent. Like in all those people who were there, and I, I shouted out to give him gall to drink. Is there mm. mercy for me? Mm. And uh, Christ, Christ has forgiven us, so that he's, he's the, he's the motive for our forgiveness. Is we've been forgiven, mm. and he's the measurement of what forgiveness looks like. Wow, yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. We, we kind of brushed over, but not um, not in negligence, but we brushed over this grieve not the Holy Spirit of yeah, God a minute ago. This has been a good chat we've had recently about verse 30. Mm-hmm. What does it actually look like to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Yeah. I've, I've been hearing stuff. You've, you've, you're going to share stuff. I heard someone recently like, oh, I, the Holy Spirit's really grieved. And I'm like, this isn't in our church. And I was like, oh, why is that? And it was like, because of something, something was happening in the way worship was taking place in a certain church. And it was like, no, that's that's not what it means to grieve the Spirit of yeah, God in the context yeah. of Ephesians 4, but you've got some other stuff there. Yeah. Um, I, the, the context isn't being filled with the Spirit is dependent on individualism. Say that again. The, the context in this passage about being filled with the Spirit is not on... It's it's not about individualism. It's not about just me and the Holy Spirit yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It's not what I do in, with my private life, though though that applies as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a part for that. But the context of what being said here is communal. Communal life together. So yeah. there's there's a way I can live my community life in the church that is grieving the Holy Spirit. Mm. If you look at the context, what verse thirty is written in. Yeah. But good people have got this wrong. You put me onto the Spurgeon quote, and those oh, who man. know me know that I like a good Spurge bomb. Yep. I like a Spurgeon quote, but um, I think he got this wrong. And here's what he said about this this verse. I think, I now see the Spirit of God grieving when you are sitting down to read a novel, and there's your Bible unread. Perhaps you take down some book of travels, and you forget that you've got a more precious book of travels in the Acts of the Apostles, and in the story of your blessed Lord and Master. You have no time for prayer, but the Spirit sees you very active about worldly things and having many hours to spare for relaxation and amusement. 
And then he is grieved because he sees that you love worldly things better than you love him. Mm. And I would say as a general principle, okay, Spurgeon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Read your Bible, pray. <laughs> yeah, love God above everything yeah, else in life. Yeah, those are all biblical Absolutely. And, um, but, but in the context of the passage, yeah. that's way off. So how is the Holy Spirit grieved then in this according to verse 30? What What's grieving the Holy Spirit? When, when I don't yield to Christ's likeness. In my relationship. The Spirit's uh, leading and seeking to produce Christ's likeness in me yeah. as I'm interacting with yeah. my brothers and sisters. So the opposite of verse 25 to 32 is what grieves the Spirit. Absolutely. When I, when I speak falsehood, mm-hmm. when I allow anger yes. and resentment, when I, when I steal, <laughs> when I don't speak gracious words mm-hmm. um, and when I verse 31 when I'm full of bitterness and wrath and anger I, that's what's grieving the Holy Spirit of God because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's work is verse 3 eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace mm, Yeah. so if I'm not doing that then I'm grieving mm. the Holy Spirit's work in my life that's good yeah but, but it begs the question what does what does grieve mean because when we think of grief, grief we just think of um, like mourning the death of someone or something like mm-hmm. that you know um, but the word the word grieve actually means to affect with heaviness or sadness, uh, to throw into sorrow. But you put me onto this fifth century usage of the word that refers to cavalry re- re- repeatedly kind of um, re- attacking and retreating. So into attack and retreating and mm-hmm. into attack and retreating to stop the advancing of the enemy. Yeah. Um, and, and I think um, what's being communicated here is to grieve the Holy Spirit is to do a work that is against the work of the Holy yeah, Spirit. You're actively working against the Holy Spirit's work. Mm-hmm. He's trying to produce Christ likeness, and you say, "No, I don't want Christ likeness, or I'm not going to do Christ likeness. I'm going to serve the flesh." Yeah, you give place to the devil yeah. instead. That's yeah. grieving the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think a good kind of um, illustration I used this last last night is is a channel. Um, I was just thinking back to when I, when I was a kid. There was this. Uh, place. See, I used to I used to like uh, mow grass for the county that I lived in, and um, you like to mow grass? Did you say? I, I was. That's what I did. That was my job. Oh, right. I thought it was a, a an artist or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was my job. I, I worked that type of right, um, okay. grounds and maintenance for Boone County in West Virginia, mm. and uh, there was this one area that we used to go to, and because I did this as a summer job every year, and um, and we used to not be able to to uh, do trimming in this particular area because it was always really swampy because there was a, a stream coming down and not all of the water was getting through. There was a road. Mm. Then on the other side, there was that little bit of water coming out, but not enough was able to get through. Mm. So it made a swamp on one side. Right, yeah, yeah. And so one year we came back and suddenly we had to start weed eating that, uh, that area, streaming that area. It was because they'd put a channel underneath the road. Mm-hmm. They'd redone the road and they'd put this channel, this big, like conduit, this metal mm. conduit underneath that allowed the full flow of water to go from the stream coming off of the hill mm. under the road, and it made a nice little proper stream on the other side. Mm. And that's a channel, and and really we we are channels mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit is filling us. Oh, in in fact, I think the Holy Spirit is always filling us as believers. But we don't realize the feeling of the Holy Spirit. He's 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 always in us trying to produce Christ likeness. Yeah. And we realize the fullness of the Spirit whenever we, we yield to the Spirit's impulses mm. of Christ likeness. Um, but what what happens with us is so often whenever our relationships, especially with our brothers and sisters, when our relationships aren't 
right. Mm-hmm. When there's unresolved conflict and anger and bitterness, we're, we're not channels. We're blocking it. We're, yeah. we're damming up right. the channel. Yeah. Um, and so, so the Holy Spirit wants to put Christ-likeness in us, mm-hmm. but for that Christ-likeness to flow through us. To those around to us. Bless, to the blessing of others, which is yeah. always the goal. Yeah. But but when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we're like damming up the channel. Mm. So now the flow cannot go through us. It's resistance then. Yeah. 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 So really then, Christian maturity equals gospel maturity. Mm. And gospel maturity equals communal maturity. Mm. The whole body being a mature, gospel-focused, Christ-like mm. um, entity is the goal. Yeah. As every believer yields to the Spirit mm. filled with Him. And, and lives this out amongst one another. Mm-hmm. So, and then we we back up to the very beginning. What we were talking about, um, the the church will not progress and grow and mature collectively if everybody's not on board with it. Yeah. If it's not a culture yeah. in the church of bringing everyone along mm-hmm. in this way, mm-hmm. can you imagine? Honestly, I, I'm I'm trying to bring it to a close here. <laughs> but can can you imagine a church? What 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 our church? How different our church would be. If if everyone was striving for this together, like like genuinely, if everyone, yeah, I was speaking to someone a few days ago about living in a spirit of repentance, mm-hmm. being quick to forgive, quick to repent when you've done something wrong, and what if um, we were looking at this, forgive one another, right? And that's tough, yeah. forgiving one another when someone's wronged you, and there was a lot of open confession last yeah, night about that, which was really healthy and helpful. Mm-hmm. But forgiving one another, we'd be so quick to forgive. If we were all filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'd would be we'd be so quick to say sorry and repent. Mm-hmm. If we were all yielding to the Holy Spirit, yeah. can you imagine a collective church mm-hmm. that is growing and coming into the unity of the fullness of the stature of Christ? Mm-hmm. So, really, if you're struggling, if you're reading through verse twenty-five to thirty-two, and you're like, "That's not me." The goal is to read chapter one to three again, especially mm. that prayer at the end of chapter three, because mm. that because the result is that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. Yeah. That, so it's like marinate on that and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work then of 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 yeah, bringing this about in our church and in your mm. life and in, in your church's life. Those who are listening, so. Mm. Thanks for listening to the Baldy Bishops podcast. If you wish to get a hold of us, you can reach us at baldybishops at gmail.com. Or just check us out on Facebook and Instagram on Blurton Baptist. Hey, do you want to go get a note cake? Yeah, let's go up and leave.